This is Christian Questions. Seneca once said, It is not because things are difficult that we do not dare. It is because we do not dare that they are difficult. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we are truly glad you have chosen to spend some time with us here on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what's happening today? Well, Rick, our question for this morning, why was Daniel so special? And our theme text is found in Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Jonathan, bottom line is this. We all want to be inspired. We all want to see or hear a story of someone who was so strong against sin, so courageous against captivity and so trustworthy against temptation that we ourselves become invigorated to follow that example. Well, Daniel the prophet was one such man who lived one such story. So folks, stay with us this morning as we open the book of Daniel and look upon his life to see why he was so beloved of God. And and Jonathan, of all the people in the Bible, you know, there's a few individuals that really stand out head and shoulders above the crowd. That's for sure. And Daniel is one of those. You've got Joseph, there's Daniel, obviously the Jesus stands up, you know, well, head and shoulders way, above. Way above everybody. The, the Apostle Paul is another great example. Yeah, Elijah is a big one. Yeah, you think of Noah. You know, oh, yeah. those individuals that really Moses. really stood way out mm-hmm. in front. Daniel is one such individual. And the great part about it is there's a lot written about the development of Daniel. So we can take a look at his story and really understand how he grew into becoming what he became. And one of the most famous stories is Daniel in the lion's den, of course. Of course. Everybody knows the story about Daniel. When you think about Daniel, you think about Daniel in the lion's den. You don't yep. think about the fact that he wrote some of the most prolific prophecies in all of Scripture. You're right. That the prophecies he wrote down just laid out history for thousands of years. We don't think about that, but we think <laughs> about the fact that he was thrown to the lions. So you got to ask the question, how old was Daniel when he went into the lion's den? Ooh, good question. We're not going to answer that right now. But if you think you might know, give us a call at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. And, you know, the answer is, I said I'm not going to give the answer. There is not a specific age given. Okay. But you can... Take a good guesstimate if you know the story of Daniel. All right. And that's all I'm going to say. It's Jonathan and Rick Bible Bible trivia. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jonathan, let's get started with Daniel's early life. And that's where the scriptures start discussing Daniel and his life and, and all of the things about him. He was of the tribe of Judah. He was favored of God and blessed with a heart for God. 
And while we're not going to be at this moment talking about Daniel in the lion's den, the story, the actual story of that actual event. Because we have to start at start. Right. And it's somewhere not at the very, very beginning. Okay. Uh, what we do want to look at is Daniel having lived a life that would have been in a lion's den of experience. Okay. So each aspect of Daniel's life, we're going to look at it as, as a life lived in the lion's den. And so this is essentially chapter one, the lion's den test of captivity. Let's start with Jan- Daniel chapter one, verses one to four. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. These he brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. Then the king commanded his palace master, Aspenzas, to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of the nobility young men without physical defect and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight, and competent to serve in the king's palace. They were to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So you have this captivity coming upon them. You've been invaded, and Daniel is one of a few of the select young men that are not only brought into captivity, but brought into captivity in a very special way. They're looking for special uh, um, uh, qual- qualities here. Is is this always the way it is in battle, where you take the best of your enemy to to develop them? I I I've never I, really I don't heard know, of that as a norm. But it's a pretty good idea when you think about it, because if you want if you want to keep your dominance, you take the brightest minds. And then you essentially bring them to your way of thinking and use that 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 bright intelligence to your advantage. Okay. So okay. it was an interesting it was an that interesting is. development, uh, and and da- puts Daniel uh, and his companions into a very interesting situation. We're going to per- periodically, Jonathan, through the program, reference the writings of A. O. Hudson for a description of Babylon and Daniel and so forth, because his writings give us a really strong sense of the history, and, and it, it, it kind of paints a picture of what it would have been like. So just a short paragraph here about this coming into captivity. Remember, he's from the land of Israel. He's got to go to Babylon. And let's just capture this um, paragraph. It was probably not without design that Daniel used the ancient term, land of Shinar, to describe the country of his captors rather than end of Babylon, by which it was more familiarly known in his own day. Shinar was the name it bore in those early days, soon after the flood when Nimrod established the first empire there, and impious men built a great tower whose top should reach unto heaven. The tower was still there, and Daniel probably saw it as he entered in the city. So this is interesting because it's a reference to the Tower of Babel. And I wouldn't have pictured that being there since they kind of failed and their language changed and everybody left. Right. But it's still there. And at that point, that had been the largest, highest tower ever mankind had ever built anywhere under any, any situation, under circumstance. So to see something that man had constructed at that time so big mm-hmm. as you're being brought into Babylon as a captive, it's overwhelming. Good point. There's that, and there's so many other parts to this that that's just would be completely overwhelming. So, so Jonathan, we've read through a few scriptures in Daniel. We've gotten a little bit of a background 
from uh, Hudson here. L- let's just line up some of the observations so far uh, on the life of Daniel. I mean, we're just, just barely scratching the scratch of the surface. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, the sacred vessels of the temple were taken and stored in a heathen treasury. And that will come into play much later in the whole story of Daniel. But the fact that they took sacred vessels from the temple is not a good thing. And another point, the fear of being so young and being a captive. Daniel was probably about 17 years old. Wow. So he's a very, very, very young man. And, and when you think about this, folks, put that, drill that into your brain. Uh, very similar to Joseph. Similar age. Um, 17 years old, and he's, and he's really called upon to stand up in ways that most of us as adults would wonder if we could have the courage to do it. Good point. And it was being a, a long way from home. You know, the journey from Israel to Babylon would have taken about 30 days. Wow. So imagine every day you're walking or riding or whatever you're doing for 30 days. So you are a long way from... It's not like, you know, you're, you're going down the block to pick up a gallon of milk. That's a long way. Yes. Well, he was also, uh, a- after being educated, he knew the godless history of Babylon. Right. So he understood where they were being taken captive to. And for that entire 30-day period of being dragged along, you know you're going into the, into the heart of, of what you would consider absolute idolatry. That's right. Uh, culture shock, right? Yes. Because idolatry ruled the land. So, and, and when you understand the things that Daniel would have seen and, and all of the, the idolatrous approach to life. It would have been absolute culture shock from a child of Israel. And that means worship the created versus the creator. Right, right. All right, and upon arrival, awe at the amazing feats of architecture and the massiveness of the city. I mean, the city was like 15 miles square or something like that. It was a very, very large, large, large place. What else? And the last point, uh, upon arrival, the sense of preeminence of captivity. You get the feeling that once you're there, you're never going to leave. Gotcha. So you're, it, it's a permanent thing. You have been brought someplace, you're so far away, you're so young, and this army that is transporting you is so powerful. What chance is there of, of, of being freed? So what we have here is, like we said, the, uh, the lion's den test of captivity. You have a young and impressionable individual taken into a foreign land to live, to work, and to serve with no apparent hope for freedom. And when you think That's about scary. it, well, of course, it, it's scary. And at that age, and we know about Daniel and his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. So we know that those four were taken into this particular program of, of education, if you will. Okay. All right. We don't know of anybody else, though. Uh, from, yeah, because no one else is named. Right, right. So you are, you are there, and you're essentially alone, because the, you don't have... Uh, like an uh, an older generation there with you that you can sort of follow their lead. Sure, you had gather wisdom right. from those. Yeah, you got you wow. and, you and your 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 other adolescent buddies, young friends. <laughs> That's all you've uh, yeah. got. Oh. That's all you've got. So you think about that. You're so far away from home. There's there, there's it's like there's no way out. So when you think about it, Jonathan, to draw lessons from the life of Daniel to apply them to ourselves. The Christian is also called to great favor. Now, remember, Daniel was, was favored. He, he, had, he was blessed with, with uh, nobility mm-hmm. in his background. He yes. was blessed with understanding and intellect. He had been taught in the ways of the law, and he was not only taught, but he paid attention. It he, was in his heart. Right, right. That's exactly it. So we, 
as Christians. The Christians call it a great favor. We still ha- we have that same kind of favor Daniel had originally. Um, well, let's take a look at so, that. So it's like a parallel, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and I think that we can draw lessons for our Christian lives from this special life of Daniel. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. A new, something brand new. See, see, and here's the interesting thing. For us, it's new. So Satan would have to put us, uh, have, have us put it away in favor of what was. For Daniel, it was exactly the opposite. He came from the old law. So what was old was good. What was new was not good. Mm, you're right. He it's a reversal. He would okay. have wanted to go back, but for the Christian, we're new and we can't go back. We don't want to go back. Same trick, just a different order. Okay. You know, Satan is going to put the temptation of the place you're not supposed to be right in front of your face all the time, and we'll see how that happened uh, with Daniel. But for us, uh, what are the things that we have to avoid? Well, uh, for all... That is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So those things, and we will see how those things actually permeated in Daniel's existence. So, so those are our lion den's tests of, as a Christian. Of captivity. We are yes. captive in a world of sin and death. How interesting. So we have to fight the same kinds of battles that Daniel had to fight. You know, the lion's dest of den. Try again, Rick. The lion's den test of captivity lesson here is, once we're engulfed in captivity, and we all are, our first decision must be to set our intention on fidelity to our spiritual heritage. That's what Daniel and his companions had to do, and that's what we, as followers followers of Christ, must do. It's all about being in a lion's den environment where you're our captive and there's really no way out right now. What do you do? You focus. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why was Daniel so special? Coming up, why did Daniel and his companions refuse the royal rations of food and wine? It was the best of the best. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why was Daniel so special? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, uh, this morning we're talking about, and this is part one uh, of the story of Daniel. We're talking about Daniel uh, as a very young, seventeen, pro- probably 17-year-old young man taken captive along with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are brought uh, to not only to Babylon, but they're actually going to be brought to the palace complex of Babylon because they are bright and educated and uh, the king of Babylon wants them to be part of his court as we're going to see. And so we, we talked about the, the lion's den captivity 
test, if you will, of, cap- uh, of, of captivity. He's not literally in the lion's den, but his experience is a lion's den's experience. And I think if we draw, if we go through the life of Daniel and look at that and say, look at these lion's den experiences and then see the parallels in our own lives, we can learn an awful lot about the practicality of that phrase, dare to be a Daniel. And Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Let's take a, let's take a moment. Let's go back to A.O. Hudson's writing on Babylon and Daniel. Just another short part of a paragraph, just to give us a, 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 a word picture of, of what things would have looked like. Judged by modern standards, the palace of the uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was colossal. The building, or rather range of buildings, was something like a quarter of a mile square, flanked on one side by the river Euphrates and surrounded on three other sides by wide canals so that it was virtually a fortress. Here lived the king and his family, the officers of his court, many of the priests and wise men of Babylon, distinguished captives taken as hostages in similar fashion to Daniel and his companions, and a host of servants, guards, and soldiers, anxious in abject obedience to carry out the wishes of this great king who was rapidly making himself master of the world. So you are not only taken captive, but you brought, you're brought into the palace complex, which is enormous. The complex itself was about a quarter mile on each side. So you think about that. You're talking about a lot of real estate there. Sure. And it, it has got to be completely overwhelming. To, to be brought at such a young age, to be brought there, and you are going to be put into a position where there are going to be some very specific things required of you. That brings us to the next Lion's Den test, and that is the Lion's Den test of conscience. You know, we always think about the Lion's Den and say, okay, and Daniel prays and he's delivered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the Lion's Den tests before the actual Lion's Den all prepared him for that experience. And this test of conscience is an enormous test. And and folks, as you listen to these scriptures describing Daniel's dilemma, think about your own life and the dilemmas that we might have. Daniel 1, 5-7. The king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine. They were to be educated for three years so that at the end of that time they could be stationed in the king's court. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, from the tribe of Judah. The palace master gave them other names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Now there's a lot of names there, and it's funny because we know Daniel by his Hebrew name. Yes, but the others... <laughs> we always, and I've, I to this day, I always refer to them by their Babylonian names. I know, me too. Because you see their Hebrew names here, and I don't know that they're ever mentioned again by their Hebrew names. Gotcha. So, you've got all these names. What do they all mean? Well, I'd love to tell you, but we're not going to. We don't have time. No. But if you sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com, in our bonus material, we've got a list of the names, the Hebrew names and what they mean, and the uh, Babylonian names and what they mean. And it's interesting how God always designs the meaning of those names to mean something special for their lives and their future. Right. It's it's cool. So, ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, the bonus material from this week's program will give you that information, and it is very, very fascinating. And I heard a word that the graphics are going to be really, really neat 
in this CQ Rewind. You've got some inside information. I do, I do. All right, uh, that's good. Um, Okay, here's the thing, Jonathan. This hardly seems like captivity. I mean, think about it. You have royal rations of food. That's what they're given. They're given royal rations of food, the king's own wine, and they're given an education. What was this, really? Was it... Was it... Was it captivity? Of course it was. Um, but it's a, like a feast they're presenting before them. It, right. And it, what it is, is a subtle do- indoctrination of idolatry for the purpose of creating loyal subjects to the idolatrous king himself. It's a removal of your own identity and heritage and a replacing of that identity and heritage with a new name, a new language, a new belief system, and a new life. And it sounds so tempting. It does. Because after all, you are commanded to do these things. You're commanded to eat the best f- food of the city, drink the best wine of the king, and get the best education uh, that anybody there would ever get. So it replaces what you know. Right. It's like kind of brainwashing, isn't well, it? Well, and isn't that a common tool of Satan? Take what you, what you have been, put it aside for something that looks so much better. And as a matter of fact... Change your name while you're at it, and that is such a dangerous thing. You, you change the label of who you are, and that's this tool of Satan. This is the lion's den test of conscience. Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the royal rations of food and wine, so he asked the palace master to allow him not to defile himself. So Daniel sees this, and he realizes that according to the law, they're, asked, they're, be, they're being given food, to eat and They're wine not to supposed drink. To, not supposed to eat that. Food. Right. So Daniel, seventeen it's against his belief system. Yeah, but at seventeen years old, you're a captive. Do you have the guts to, as a kid, to say, "Look, I really, I don't, I don't." Well, I don't Daniel did, <laughs> and that's the point. That is wow. the point, folks. If you have a thought, we're talking about an incredibly inspirational look at the, the, the prophet Daniel at a very, very young age. We'd love to hear your thoughts on his life, perhaps some of your own experiences, dare to be a Daniel experiences, or even if you think you know the age that Daniel was in the lion's den. Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning, live from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, Daniel asks the uh, um, the prison guard, the, the, the Ashpenaz, I think he asks. The palace master? Yes, to, to not be defiled. And it's all well and good to take a stand. But what happens when that stand could cost somebody else? Now, let's go a little further in Daniel chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Now, God allowed Daniel to receive favor and compassion from the palace master. The palace master said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king. He has appointed your food and your drink. If he should see in your poorer condition that the other young men of your own age, you would be endangered my head with the king. So what Aspenas is saying to him is, look, I like you, kid. You're a good kid. I mean, Daniel had this way of, I mean, he gained favor everywhere he went because he had such a great character uh, and just a wholesome way of looking at life. And Aspenas is saying, look, if, if I don't feed you this food and you are in poorer condition, the king will take my head and he'll, he'll sever it from my body in an instant because he's that kind of guy. And why would I do that 
and put myself at in risk. danger. Yeah. And you know, th- that's an important point. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? So here's what Daniel does with that. Then Daniel asked the guard whom the palace master had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. You can then compare our appearance with the appearance of the young men who eat the royal rations and deal with your servants according to what you observe. So he agreed to this proposal and tested them for just ten days. So Daniel... It's almost like saying, I'm not going to take no for an answer. <laughs> but he goes about it. He and came it, up with a plan. Right. Wow. Right. And that's the thing. He comes up with a this 17 plan. A 17-year-old. Yeah. Amazing. Because he is so driven by what he believes is important. His conscience. Right. So it's not that, oh, I don't like that food. It's that I shouldn't because it is not God-honoring. I shouldn't partake of that food. And so he's insistent. And so he finds a way. He goes to the next in command and said, look... Just give us a 10-day test. I understand, the, the, and I'm adding all of this, I understand the gravity of the situation and people's heads could be at stake here. Give us a 10-day test, see how it works, and then after that, do what you will. So there, there, there's a great wisdom being shown by the 17-year-old kid. Uh, so he asked the next in command, um, and he didn't give up because of what Aspenaz had said, you know, look, this could cost me my head. You know, when we looked at verses uh, 12 and 13, um, did we read that yet? Yeah, we did. Right. Uh, <laughs> I got lost. Um, we read that. We see a remarkable wisdom and confidence in the Lord's care for him as he offers a simple, simple test to solve a potentially major dilemma. Jonathan, we're going to go to some sound bites this morning just to dramatize the story of Daniel. Uh, and these sound bites are actually put on by uh, www.jw.org. And uh, one of the things Jehovah's Witnesses are very good at is dramatizing things. Okay. And while we don't certainly don't agree with a lot of you know their their their, their doctrinal perspective, they are really good at putting things into a dramatic perspective so you can kind of get a feel for it. Now, there's a little bit of creative license here because in this in this soundbite, Daniel is talking to Ashpenaz, the, the the higher guy, the palace master, but he really wasn't, but anyway, other than okay. that, let's just listen to how it, how it kind of gives you a sense of the drama of the moment. Let's speak with reason, Belteshazzar. For I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. Why should he see your faces in worse liking than the other children? Shall you make me endanger my head to the king? Master, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. And let us eat grains instead of meat, water in place of wine. Let our countenances be looked upon, and the countenance of the children who eat the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So you have the, the, the drama of the conversation, and Daniel is, he, as a kid, he appears so reasonable and so wise. Look, give us ten days, just ten days, and then we'll see. And then you make the judgment. And and so there's this great sense of wisdom. You're a captive. You can't call the shots when you're a captive. 
but you can certainly try to be able to live up to what you believe is important. Yes, and and ten in the Bible is a, an important number, isn't it? Yes, it's a, it's a number that symbols is a symbol of completeness. Completeness, right? So that, that's interesting. So. Uh, let's go to Daniel 1, 15 to 17, because now you have the test. Okay, we're going to put this to test. Let's see what the results are. At the end of 10 days, it was observed that they appeared better and fatter than all the young men who had been eating the royal rations. So the guard continued to withdraw their royal rations and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables to these four young men God gave knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature and wisdom. Daniel also had insight into all visions and dreams. So the result of the test is there was a visible difference between their physical condition and the physical condition of the other captives who were partaking of uh, the, the king's meat and wine and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the guard sees this and says, okay, look. Uh, you look good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get in trouble for this with, with my master because you actually look like you're in better shape. Yeah. So yeah, we can continue to do this because this is actually working out to our benefit. No, that's interesting well, and that he had that observation. And, and so what you see, though, is you see somebody who applied their integrity of wanting to live up to something that was important, willing to put it on the line, whatever the consequences were, and you see God blessed that. And there's a great, great lesson for us in that. Are we as Christians willing to step out like that ourselves? To put it on the line and just see, see what's, what's going to happen. And that's a hard thing. It is. But when you consider the age of Daniel, the, the fact that he's such a young man, and he's so courageous to be willing to do that, that's why we get this phrase, you know, uh, again, we always think about the lion's den, but it's dare to be a Daniel from the time he's just a kid all the way through his life. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, our subject this morning, Why Was Daniel So Special? Part 1. Coming up, three years of indoctrination. How did Daniel and his companions fare? An impossible test will be given to all the wise men in the king's court. What will Daniel do? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Why Was Daniel So Special? Part 1. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as you look at the life of Daniel, one of the questions I ask myself is, did I think it was ever possible to learn so much from such a young kid? And the answer is no, because he, he has so much together in his very, very young life. Now, remember, they're taken captive, but they're given great special privileges. Yes, they are. And this Living is, in the palace. Right. Living in, in a the... A prisoner. Right. <laughs> and, and having the best education presented to them because they're supposed to become the wise men of Babylon. This is a three-year... 
education or should i say indoctrination yes that's what it really is it's it's there your your name is supposed to be changed your food is supposed to be changed your environment is supposed to be changed so you become a babylonian and can contribute to the mighty king nebuchadnezzar isn't the king so nice to do all of this for them to indoctrinate them yes (laughs) sure (laughs) so after three years and it's interesting the number three in the bible is is a symbol of a of a complete test you know it, it, you know, we know the number three in the life of Peter was very very significant oh absolutely you know, the three temptations of Christ on and on and on yeah, and Jesus asked him three times do you love me right yes. right so three years of education and indoctrination are accomplished let's look at what happens Daniel 1 18 to 21 at the end of the time that the king had set for them to be brought in the palace master brought them into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar and the king spoke with them And among them all, no one was found to compare with Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they were stationed in the king's court. So they do so well. They pass the test. So well that they are stationed in the king's court. So they are stationed above everyone else, not only from from the physical standpoint, from their intellectual abilities. And you can see, obviously, God's blessing on them. Absolutely. In every matter of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel continued there until the first year of King Cyrus. So Daniel then, uh, at 20 years old... Now, he's a, he's a lot older now, a lot more oh, mature. Oh, yeah. At 20, yeah. at 20 years old, he and his three companions are found ten times better than everyone else in terms of their ability to grasp and understand. And, and that is just an amazing, amazing result here. That's the result of three years of faithfulness under difficult conditions. And we say difficult conditions, it's like, well, wait a minute. They weren't under, under a whip and hard slave labor, but they were under the conditions of indoctrination. From an enemy. Right. They're un- in the lion's den, and their conscience is tested each and every day. That's the difficult condition. It's perhaps more subtle, but it's very, very It's pointed. an internal struggle. Yes. And what we see is excellence as a result of that. Uh, let's take a look at that and, and relate it to ourselves. Our consciences are also tested in many ways. What will we... Uh, what with what do we allow ourselves to be fed? I mean, remember the whole thing about the food. Okay. But it was not just the food, but it's the thinking that makes you make the decision about the food. Luke 4, 4. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Simple statement, isn't it? Yes, it is. And the point is that, the, uh, obviously they're long before the time of Jesus, but the principle of what Jesus is saying here uh, is very, very significant. They were living according to the word of God as they knew it through the law. And even in a place where nobody else would say to them, in what happened to living up to the law? Because you're a captive, for goodness sakes. Nobody's going to say to them, well, you know, you should have done better. They did better. But the rules changed. And how, how did they hang in there? And that's the point. They still did better, even though the rules asked them and showed them and required them to do something different. They yeah. found a way to stand above the fray. And I think that is the, the, the great significance of this. Which is a parallel to our Christian walk. We talked about what we eat in that Luke scripture. Well, what is it that we drink? Remember, they were offered the, great, the wine from the king's table. John 4.10. And Jesus answered and said to her, 
If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And remember, it's interesting. They asked for just plain water, and they asked for their their vegetables. vegetables. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I wasn't there, because I don't like vegetables that much. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. Um, The point is, they stuck to the basic. And and water is a a symbol in Scripture of truth. That's right, it is. So their their basic diet was, (laughs) give us truth to drink in each and every day so we can stay in tune with those things which are of the greatest importance. Folks, if you have a thought, it's the life of Daniel we're discussing. We'd love to hear your your thoughts, your experiences, observations uh, on the life of Daniel. Why is it that we hear, have that phrase, dare to be a Daniel? You see, it's much more than just the lion's den experience. Okay, Give us a call at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website at ChristianQuestions.com and be a Twitter follower and join us on Facebook. And Rick, news, we have an app on smartphones and Android phones, don't we? If you'd like to carry Jonathan and I around in your pocket, sign up for the Christian Questions app. Go to your app store, type in Christian Questions, download it. It's free. It's free. It's free. There's a, there's a recurring theme around here. <laughs> Seek your rewind, the full edition. It's free. And w- when you have that, you can press call in to the program, and it immediately it'll bring you right here to our studio. It'll, it'll dial it out as long as we're on live. That's, yes. uh, that's when that works. Otherwise, you don't want to do that. <laughs> but the, the Christian Questions app, download it now. It's free, and it just gives you instant access to archives. Seek your view on the full edition. You can sign up. I mean, it gives a bunch of stuff on there. So, Jonathan, last question about our personal application. Are we continually driven by our highest spiritual conscience? even under poor circumstances, because Daniel was. And that's our example here. Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, you've got, that water you got again, the right? water. It, it, it's just so significant as we look at all of this. So as we wrap up this part of our, of our, our conversation, this is the lion's den test of conscience and here's the lesson we like daniel are strangers do we meld into the foreign country uh, and draw our nourishment from it or do we draw our strength from the will of our father based on principle and promise so jonathan it's a it's a very personal question yes it is looking at the life of daniel and saying are we standing for something higher and bigger and stronger why don't we go to the phones? All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Thank you for allowing me to participate in your Bible study. You are welcome. <laughs> when are, why was uh, Daniel special? We are special when God says so. Uh, the book of Daniel, to me, is a beacon of light for prophetic enlightenment and biblical confirmation. That's my conclusion on the whole book of Daniel. That's a good one. I like it. I'd like to share, uh, thank you, uh, one text with you, and I think I shared this with you some time ago. You had a a gentleman, David Stein, on your program. Uh Uh-huh. And I think you referred to, I don't know if you were talking about Daniel, you referred to him. And I share this text with you, and I'd like to do it again for the, the simple reason of uh, why 
God permits evil in the world. And God is always in control of the situation. And the text is uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 37. If I may read it. Go ahead. Thou, king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given, has given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. You see, you see the point there? Mm-hmm. It's by God's permission that uh, the evil rules now, you know, it's, it's, it's prevailed, it dominates evil by God's permission. But eventually, God will, God will bring that to an end, for which I'm grateful, and your program so often confirms that. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Yeah, have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And actually, we're going to get to that scripture later on in the program, uh, because that is in the context of the, of the dream by uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. So, good, good. Julius, thanks so much. I love what he said. I can't repeat it, because I couldn't write it down fast enough, but I think we're going to get that onto the Seek Your Rewind, the full edition. Yes, we are. So, uh, thanks, Julius, for that input. Really appreciate it. Jonathan, before we go on to the next Lion's Den test, which will be the test of faith, there's a little bit of a sidelight here that I think, we, I, just, I think it's important to at least mention, and that is, there could be another lesson regarding the development of the true church while in Babylon. We know in Babylon. In in Revelation Babylon is talked about as as the seat of hypocrisy if you will in terms of Christianity. Oh, okay. So Bab- now we're talking about the little literal nation Babylon here. Okay. And I think that you know you have the same thing for the true church throughout the ages of or the age of Christianity. You had Babylon overwhelming hypocrisy overwhelming true Christianity. Ruling Christianity. Yes, and, just, and you're stuck in it. Just look at history. And there were a few, always, always, in that context, who would live up to a higher standard and not be a part of it. Just like Daniel was stuck in Babylon, living up to a higher standard. And I think that there's just a kind of a, a, a lesson for us to make sure that we stand apart from th- those things which are hypocritical. Stand above yes. spiritually. Right. Good, good. So just, a, just a, a quick thought there, a little sidelight. Let's get to the lion's den test of faith. Now, this would have been the fourth year that Daniel was in Babylon. As the first two years, King Nebuchadnezzar reigned alongside of his father, Nabopolassar. Better you saying that than yeah. me. <laughs> who was an invalid at the time and died after the second year of Daniel's presence in Babylon. Because in the, in, in the next scripture, it says in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar. And you think, well, wait a minute, the second year, this is his fourth year there. How, how do you right, justify right. that? And the fact is that his father was still, quote, king, but unable to rule. Gotcha. So, so that's how... Well, good. I'm glad you straightened that up. Put a little, little history in place here. Okay, Daniel 2. This is the lion's den test of faith now. Daniel 2, 1 through 6. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed such dreams that his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. So the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had such a dream that my spirit is troubled by the desire to understand it. The Chaldeans said to the king, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will reveal the interpretation. Now, it's been thought because of translation that the king forgot the dream, but rather it seems to be that he simply didn't reveal it to them. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. I, I favor the, 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 the fact that he knew it, but he didn't want to tell them, because he wanted to see their true value as these wise, wise counselors that could read things that you know, nobody else was supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I, uh, it was a major test then here. Yeah, yeah and, and you know we're reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and it seems to 
to, to support that particular point of view. Continue with the reading. The king answered the Chaldeans, This is a public decree. If you do not tell me both the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you do tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards in great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Let's go to a soundbite real quick before the end of this hour. You will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof. You shall all be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show me the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards. Great in 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 the movie he's dropping all these pieces of gold and things before them as sort of as a test saying look this I'll I'll pay you well you know show me your value show me your worth this is a test of great faith well first of all Daniel's not even there in the room when That's this is right, happening That's right he's not yeah. okay so what's going to happen is he is considered he and his companions are considered of the wise men of Babylon so if they don't come up with the dream, they're all subject to death. Trouble. And Daniel's not even there. Folks, what happens to Daniel? Well, we're going to continue with this in the second hour. So if we're not on in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.com. Click Listen Live and stay with us. Or go to your Christian Questions app and just stay with us by clicking Listen Live. We're talking about an amazing life lived with incredible lessons that you and I can take and apply this very day, the life of Daniel. So you want to stay with us. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. And the big question is, why was Daniel so special? And so far we see a kid, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, living up to the standards of God. How about that? We'll be back soon. Till then, why Daniel? Think about it. is Christian Questions. Ambrose Redmond once said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today, this is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And, and Jonathan, the topic this morning is one of my very favorites. I find pure inspiration in this story. And Rick, our question is, why was Daniel so special? Part 1. And our theme text is found in Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. So we're talking about the life of Daniel. This is part one. There's a lot of life to talk about with the life of Daniel that's written for us to, to learn from. And in the first hour, Jonathan, we were talking about framing his life uh, as lion's den experiences. All different aspects of his life were different 
Lion's Den experiences, in other, in other words, different experiences that really would test someone to, to see what they're truly, truly made of. Well, if you're taken captive, I mean, that is a Lion's Den experience. So that was the first one, the, the test of captivity. The second one was a test of conscience. The lion's den test of conscience, remember, with the food. That's right. He, he did not want to go against the law and eat things unclean. So, and they were able to, to stand above as a result of they that. They were. The next is, and we're in the middle of this one, the lion's den test of faith. And in this test of faith, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, in his second year reigning, and Daniel is now about 21 years old. We're, we're, we're assuming he was about 17, so mm-hmm. he's about 21. You know, when I grow up, I want to be like the 21-year-old Daniel. <laughs> I'm a grandfather. But <laughs> You're still looking to that That's ideal. That's right. It, it's, a, it's, it's so inspiring to me. Uh, the king had a dream. Uh, it's, it's, it, he wants to know the interpretation of it, so he brings his wisest men. Now, Daniel's n- not with him, that these wisest men yet. That's right. Because he's, he's still very young. But he brings them before him and says, basically, look, I've had this dream. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I want you to tell me what the dream is, and I want you, you to tell me what the dream means. Yeah. Whoa. And they're like, what? <laughs> no king's ever asked for something like this before. Right. right. And so in and Daniel 2, 10 and 11, you have the Chaldeans, these wise men, responding to the king. And they're trying to reason with him. And look, if I was one of them, I'd try to reason the same way. Hey, Rick, what I appreciate in this program is here we are looking at Daniel and the tests of Lion's Den experiences he's having. But then we, in our Christian walk, right. have to ask ourselves the same questions and see his example and and make sure we live up to what God expects of us. I love the quote that you read um, because it really, what is more important than fear? Well, in my mind, it's doing God's will. You know, right. if if the Lord is inspiring me to do something and, and it's fearful, it's like, but there's something more important than my fear here. Right. So courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important. And that's what Daniel lived. And and you can imagine that there would have been some fear in him in, in dealing with these experiences. Absolutely. And what about us? Folks, look, we right now we live at a time where we, being a Christian isn't necessarily like, oh, everybody says, oh, well, good. You know, I'm glad you're a Christian. <laughs> we seem no. to get the, the, the raw end of a it's lot of things. It's not easy. Do you stand up for what it is that you believe in? Let's look at the wise men and what uh, they were trying to reason with the king because he wouldn't tell him what his dream was. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. So basically they're saying, we can't help you here because we don't have enough information to go on. Let's go back to the dramatization of Daniel the prophet and hear a little bit of this interchange because it's fascinating to hear it from that dramatic standpoint. Tell me the dream! Then I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. There is not a man alive that can show thy master. There is no king, lord, or ruler that asks such things of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. It is a rare thing the king requires, for there is none other that can show the king his dream except the gods. Out! Out! 
Kill them. Kill them all. Ooh, ooh. Trouble right here in River City. That's what that is. <laughs> That's a very, very difficult circumstance. And you know, they're they're they're, they're right. I mean, the the King Nebuchadnezzar is, is 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 testing them. He wants to see what they're made of. And here you have this very, very uh, significantly difficult circumstance that they have to deal with. Well, they're right in one part. Only the gods. I mean, they should make it singular. Only God can can give the interpretation and the dream. And that's how we are going to see this unfold. But you're right. They almost gave a, a sense of this is beyond human capacity. And yeah, they were right. They're right about that. They are absolutely right about that. So now we're going to see Daniel's bold faith being tested in a new and difficult way. And, and Jonathan, after, after we go through this, I want to just take a moment um, just to touch on the, the, the Christian Questions app because you know there's a lot of little details in, in the app and, and Jewel has uh, been doing some looking at the app and um, just want to have her just share one, one thing. Um, af- af- let's go through these scriptures first, though. Let's say give her time to collect, the, uh, collect her thoughts on this. Because of this, the king flew into a violent rage and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. The decree was issued, and the wise men were about to be executed. And they looked for Daniel and his companions to execute them. So, you know, you're, you're being executed for something you weren't even there to be a part of. He doesn't even know what's going on right, right. at this point. So what happens? Then Daniel responded with uh, preg- prudence. prudence, thank you, and discretion to Arioch, the king's chief executioner, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he asked Arioch, the royal officer, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. So Daniel went in and requested that the king give him time, and he would tell the king the interpretation. So Daniel, again, steps out in incredibly bold faith, and he says, uh, you know, look, have everything slow down. He doesn't, and look, Daniel does not know the dream, nor does he know that God will reveal it to him, but he believes that God will. Okay, he does know that God has already given him abilities along these lines. Yes, because it said so earlier. But he's not saying I'll 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 tell you. He he's he's more humble than that. And we're going to see that incredible humility come out. Let's go to the soundbite on this, uh, just to get a sense of uh, again the drama of what's happening in this in this moment. Ariok, what is this decree? What fate awaits the wise of Babylon? Death. Why is the decree so hasty from the king? After all these wars, the blood of Judah, Assyria, and Asia, the largest battle of Babylon rages within the king this very hour. Your life for a dream. A dream which the king will not reveal. A dream? Arioch, wait! This need not be! Bring me before the king. I can know the dream. So you have the drama of Daniel saying, wait, just I can know the dream. And, and you know, based on uh, obviously God's overruling. So Daniel uh, puts his life on the line here. This is the lion's den test of faith. And it's a big, big test. That's huge. Because if you are successful, perhaps you live. And if you're not successful, not only you die, but all of the other individuals around you, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Does the Christian have their life on the line in following in Jesus' footsteps? Do we step out in 
faith. Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Uh, from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, Jonathan, let's take a quick moment here. Jewel, you've been uh, playing around with the app. Yes, I have. And every week I'm discovering something new and exciting. And tell us what's new. Okay. Well, today I found that on the bottom of the app, in the choices that we have there, on the far right, if you click more, it brings you options. Um, one of the options is share. If you click on share, it automatically generates an email. All you need to do um, is put down who you want the email sent to. The subject is already put in there, and they even have for you the little message that you want to do. Just It says, just wanted to share with you that I found a great Christian question radio app, etc. And um, anyway, so it makes it easy. Share it with your friends, and everyone will be very happy. So there you go. It's, it's all part of the app. The app is available at your app store. Uh, just type in Christian Questions and now you can carry Jonathan and our, our eye around in your pocket. <laughs> and it is a free app. It is free. And folks, we want you, again, it's a tool. Just like Secret Rewind, the full edition. It's a tool. We want to give you tools toward Bible study, toward inspiration in a world that's gone mad and crazy. And these are the ways that we do it. We don't want it to cost you anything, but we want you to have those tools uh, in your toolbox so that you can stand for what's right. ChristianQuestions.com. And then, again, this uh, Christian Questions app. Go to your app store and type in Christian Questions. Thanks, Jewel, for that. We appreciate it very much. Okay, Jonathan, back to Daniel. You've got a drama unfolding of massive proportions. Let's go to Daniel two seventeen to 23. Then Daniel went to his home and informed his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions with the rest of the wise men of Babylon might not perish. So Daniel's first impulse, Jonathan, is to do what? Go to his companions and, and ask them to pray. Pray to God that we can find this answer. Because Daniel knows it's beyond him. It and, is. And the only way out is God's overruling. That's right. That's it. The only way out. And this is standing in faith. So they pray together over this incredible matter. Let's That's continue. a great picture, isn't it? It, it is. It is it, because life is on the line. What happens? Let's continue the reading. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Blessed be the name of God from age to age, for wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons, disposes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. So, and what a great prayer. I mean, what, what, a, what a great response uh, to, to just the, the, the understanding. So, several things here, Jonathan, we want to touch on quickly. Daniel receives the answer in a dream as the question was in the king's dream. Okay, so he gets the answer in a vision of his own. Daniel's response as spoken indicates a conversational kind of prayer. So you, you get a sense that it's not this, this absolutely formal prayer, but it is a very personal From the prayer. heart. And, oh, and, and yeah. that's so important for us to realize. And Daniel's first impulse was to praise and thank the Almighty for the actual interpretation of ages. The and, right thing to do, isn't it? Well, and, and that, again, shows you what he's really, truly made of. Because this ap actual interpretation of ages, this is a, a big dream with a big interpretation. And Daniel knows that it is a godly representation, and he is a humble servant of that godly representation. Uh, and let's read verse 23 on that. 
To you, O God of my ancestors, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power, and have now revealed to me what we asked of you. For you have revealed to us what the king ordered. And this is in, this is great. So his first impulse was to go to his brethren in, in, for their prayer and support. What's his second impulse? To praise and thank the Almighty for wisdom and power needed. Okay. And then Daniel exib- exhibits a bold huni- humility. And he acknowledges a sing- single Almighty God in the midst of the monarchy where there are gods for everything. Right. <laughs> so, and now this is still personal yet. But the other thing is that the way it's worded in this translation, it says that you have revealed to us what the king has ordered. And it's not saying, hey, I'm so great. It's because he, he is acknowledging the prayer and the power of prayer of his companions yes. on oh, I his love that. behalf. I love that. That's humility. That's what faith is built on. It's the lion's den taste t- test of faith and humility. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why was Daniel so special? Part one. Coming up, the hero Daniel saves many lives by God's grace and with the help of his companions. The dream described in a complete detail. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why was Daniel so special? Part 1. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, as we go through this story, you've got the drama unfolding. You have the king proclaiming. I'm not saying the dream to his wise men, but I want you to tell me not only what the dream is, but what the dream means. They say, can't be done. We don't know how to do that. Daniel is one of the wise men who's not even there. He is about to be executed with the rest of them. He says, hang on, hold on, wait a minute. I can, I can know the dream. He gets together with his companion, companions. They pray over the matter. God reveals the dream to him, and Daniel is full of praise to God, and he's very humble in this whole thing. But he still has to go before the king. Yes, he does. All right, so now this lion's den test of faith really starts to escalate because, okay, it's one thing to get the interpretation, but now you've got to be able to say it. And not choke. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Daniel two twenty-five to 30. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who can tell the king the interpretation. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to tell me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? So there's something very fascinating here, and that is Arioch goes before the king. What does he say? Uh, he says, uh, uh, "I found him. I guy. found him. Yeah, yeah. I t- he'll take credit for yes, this one. Yes, yes, he will. Yes, he will. And and then the king is very direct in his request to Daniel. So here's what Daniel says to the king, verse 27. No wise man, enchanters, magicians, or diviners can show to the king the mystery that the king is asking. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has disclosed to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen at the end of days. So Daniel basically says, because the king asked him, can you tell me the dream? And he basically says, no, I can't. 
but there is a God in heaven. <laughs> I love it. That can tell you the truth. And what an incredibly wise young man. He's only what 21 humility. years old. What happened here? <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> you know, you see that, and it's just so inspiring to see the humility and the wisdom so interwoven in his young life and how he is all about giving praise and honor to, to his father. And the great faith yes. in the one God. And this is the lion's den test of faith. Daniel connects God's gift of interpretation of end of days with the king and not himself, too. He's saying, King, you saw a prophecy. Right. And wow. he's saying, God wanted you to see this. That's what he's saying. So he makes the king the centerpiece and not himself. What, what wisdom? What well, wisdom? Let, let's go to the, to, to the uh, dramatization of, from the, the presentation, Daniel the Prophet, at www.jw.org. It, it really helps to bring this out. Daniel, may the gods, your God, be with you. Wisest upon the young. Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen, and the interpretation thereof? There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, and maketh known unto the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So you have that, that, again, the drama of it all being before the king. The, this mighty king, the, the most mighty king in all the earth at this point in time. And you are 21 years old. And your life is in the balance. And you just basically say to him, there is a God in heaven that can make this available to you. And this is a God the king does not believe in. Let's understand that. He's not pointing to one of the king's many gods and saying, oh, the God of... Uh, of truth that you worship, whatever that might have been, has brought this to your attention. You say, no, there's a God in heaven. And it's just com that takes great, great faith. It sure does. So let's continue with the reading. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed were these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be hereafter, and the revealer of mysteries disclosed to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me because of any wisdom that I have more than any other living being, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. So again, Daniel is taking himself out of this and just making himself a conduit through which truth flows. And making the king everything in this, in this picture. And isn't that the way we should be as Christians? I mean, what a great... So, so three, three quick points here, Jonathan. Daniel begins with the context that this dream reveals the future. So it's a big deal. He's saying right off the bat, this is a big deal, this dream. And before revealing the detail, Daniel uh, restates his humility as being the almighty conduit so he's god's conduit he, he's saying I, i'm not special here i am just i'm just giving you the words that the king that that god meant for you and daniel restates the direct connection between god and the king so there's again wisdom and humility this daniel in the lion's den test of faith and daniel is really really rising rising up uh let's go to the phones before we wrap up this test of faith all right well we have randall from connecticut good morning randall and welcome to christian questions 
Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Daniel. We have Daniel 626. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Daniel, like Joseph, is an example for the Christian, because they are both sons without a father in a strange land, but they survive and thrive by relying upon God. Genesis 41:39. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there was no one so discerning and wise as you. Daniel, like Joseph, shows the world that the Christian is not a victim, but a victor. That trust in God and openness to his spirit brings wisdom that is demonstrated in the world. Daniel 2, 20, 21, Blessed be the name of God. He changes times and seasons, deposes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Happy. Have a, God bless you guys. Thank you Take very care. much. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, putting, putting in perspective the in great value and faith, both Daniel and Joseph showed in very difficult circumstances, and both as very, very young men. And, and that's, to me, Jonathan, that's one of the greatest parts of this story, is it can happen at any age if we are in, in, in immersed in following after the will of God through the word of God. Now, they had the law, and Daniel was determined to maintain the integrity of the law covenant, even though he's captive in another land. Randall, thanks again for your your thoughts. Jonathan, let's go to the Lion's Den Test of Faith lesson. To speak of faith and to live in faith when all things are in order is one thing. But to publicly speak of faith in a hostile environment and to live in that faith in such an environment, well, that's faith in action. Yes, it is. And Randall was really talking about that. It's, it's the idea of faith in action, of stepping up and stepping out, even though the circumstances may not be uh, um, ideal for you. Well, are we as Christians living in a hostile environment? Absolutely are. Do we step up and step out, even if the potential... I mean, understand, Daniel knows the dream, okay? He knows it. That's good. He knows the king's going to be happy with that. But Daniel is focusing on the God of heaven, whom the king doesn't know, and he doesn't even think the king is going to like. And yet he still talks about the God in heaven, because that is the source. What great faith. That's the courage that we're talking about. The Apostle Paul showed us how to live such a faith by his actions, and he was another model for us. And this is from Acts 17, 22 to 24. So Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. There's a great similarity here. Now, obviously, the Apostle Paul is not a captive at this point, uh, but he finds what those in Athens were focused on, and he builds upon it to tell them something they don't know. Yeah, but the word he used always bothers me. That you worship in ignorance. <laughs> you know, that word like, 
Whoa, <laughs> you had guts to say that. <laughs> right, but, but he's saying, you know, they made, when you understand the, the thought behind it, they built the image to the unknown God because they were afraid of leaving some God out of great importance. So there, it was ignorance. They were acknowledging their ignorance of this God. And he's just building upon that. And you're right, he's not afraid to say it. <laughs> but he says, let me proclaim to you that which you don't understand. And Daniel similarly is saying to King Nebuchadnezzar, this great king in all of the earth, let me explain to you that this interpretation is not coming from me. It's coming from God Almighty in heaven. There's only one of him. And he's the one that will reveal. And he wants you to know this. It's incredible how he puts his faith out on the line with a, a great boldness. And what we see now is, is, is uh, what will be a great, great result. And, and Jonathan, the, the big question for you and I is, how do we put our faith out on the line like that? Good question. Folks, give us a call. Let us know. 866 Four two five five toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday morning from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. Go to our website christianquestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Free service available exclusively at christianquestions.com. Graphics, illustrations, the bonus material, uh, things that we don't have time to cover. It's a free service. And it is a Bible study per topic. And actually, the bonus material for this week has a lot of the other writings from A.O. Hudson on the, the context of Babylon and so forth. It really helps to paint the picture. Love that history. Very, very inspiring. Again, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to get Christian Questions app for your smartphone. You can go to your smartphone store and type in Christian Questions. And Rick, Facebook has been so active recently. Yeah. It's wonderful. You want to like us on Facebook and check out what's going there as well. Lots of things happening here, Jonathan. Incredible. Let's go on to the fourth Lion's Den test. And this is the Lion's Den test of publicity. Daniel now is going to achieve a level of publicity that most people never, ever get to. Daniel uh, 2, 31 to 35. You were looking, O king, and lo, there was a great statue, and the statue was huge, its brilliance extraordinary, and it was standing before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of that statue was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its leg of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Daniel is a very expressive. He describes the statue in great detail, and he describes the drama of the statue because it's vivid in his mind. You know, this is not some foggy notion he has. <laughs> See, it's not a. It's not made up. It's not right. Uh, uh, let me. You know, make this sound good. Right. He's saying this is what you saw. There is a clarity and a strength in his description. As you looked on, a stone was cut out, not by human hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them would be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. 
So Daniel describes this statue and the 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 dominance of this statue and the drama of this stone cut out of the mountain without hands that would would grind it to pieces. So it's clear there is a very vivid vision, a very vivid dream. Daniel has seen it in his own vision, and it's prophetic. And he is now explained it to the king. So next, that's the first part. Next, you have to get to what does it all mean? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why was Daniel so special? Part one. Coming up, now the revealing of the interpretation. What did the dream mean? What effect did it have upon the king? I think a promotion is in order. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why was Daniel so special? Part 1. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, the, the drama continues to unfold. Daniel uh, was given a vision of what the dream was and the interpretation. And the way he described it was amazing. And, you know, and you think about it, he, he's a young man. This, is, this may be, who knows, this might be the very first time he's really put on the spot as a wise man of Babylon before the king's court. Because I imagine there's lots of people here. Because the king wants to make a show of everything. Oh, he does. Okay. So, he's, there's a great big audience. There, it, it's a very public situation and it is a life and death experience and he just shines forth with great faith and humility so now let's get on to the interpretation of the dream in daniel 2 36 uh, to 45 now we will tell the king its interpretation see now that's interesting now we will tell it's not it's not, it's, it's, it's not about daniel that's the point you O king the king of kings to whom the god of heaven has given the kingdom the power, the might, and the glory, into whose hand he has given, and whom he has established as ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. So, again, he not only says that you are the head of gold, but he just informs him that the God of heaven... Oh, by the way. ...has given you this kingdom. Oh, interesting. There is a complete and utter fearlessness in putting the God of heaven... In, in the First. place of honor oh, yeah. that he deserves. And, and again, you've you got to understand, the kid is 21 years old, standing before one of the most powerful men in all of the earth, and this is how he speaks. Next, after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the whole world. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, just as iron crushes and smashes everything, it shall crush and shatter all these. As you saw the feet, the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the strength of the iron shall be in it. As you saw the iron mixed with clay, as you saw the iron mixed with clay, so will they mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Now, Jonathan, there's a, there's a great and fascinating understanding of of history here in this particular dream. As a matter of fact, we um, 
did a program back in November. I can't remember the exact date. We had a, a guest, David Rice, with us. Yes. And we were talking about the prophecies of Daniel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, folks, we want to refer you back to that program to get a lot of the details filled in of the, the import of not only this particular dream, but the entire book of Daniel's prophecies and how they really laid out history in a way that is, is unmistakably uh, a gift of God to be able to foresee those things. Amen. So... He's saying that there's these four great, great kingdoms that are pictured in this particular dream. And now the interpretation goes from merely human events to godly events, because all of this is human stuff, right? Right, right. This, this is all about, you know, one man rises as king, and the next, you know, kingdom comes and takes it over and it's bigger, and the next kingdom, and that's all human stuff. Right. But the dream has much more than that involved in it. And folks, listen, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866 985 Four two five five toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, just call us or ask your questions at christianquestions.com or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at christianquestions.net. All right, Rick at christianquestions.net. Everything else dot com except for that. That's dot net. Now let's go to the godly events in the interpretation of the dream. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall this kingdom be left to another people. It shall crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountains, not by hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has informed the king what shall be hereafter. The dream is certain and its interpretation, trustworthy. Basically, Daniel says at the end, and you can take that to the bank. <laughs> That's what he says. And, and Jonathan, the amazing thing is that he puts this spiritual understanding on the dream that God gave him, and he says, this is the kingdom of the God of heaven. This is a God king, by the way, that you don't know anything about. Right. But I am telling you that, number one, that God is the God that gave me the interpretation Okay, so it's not me, it's him. And two, he wants you to know about it. And three, it's his kingdom that is eventually going to reign, and you are going bye-bye along with all the rest of them. Yeah. So, But he did give you your kingdom. Right, right. He, Don't and, forget. That's right. He gave you, he gave you it's like that lease, and once yeah. your lease is up, then you know, move yeah. on to the next. So that's right. Dr- Daniel dramatically reveals the dream, its source and its interpretation, which was more than was asked for. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Right. Thinking about it, you're right. So much more. He's telling the king, you are being given a look into the future, beginning with your own kingdom and ending with the kingdom of God, overspreading the earth forever and ever. And so it is a dramatic, dramatic lesson of, of, of having faith, applying faith. And, and see, there, there's so many parts to this faith uh, in, in, in action that turns into a very public event. Because the previous lesson was the lesson of faith. Yes. This is the Daniel, the lion's den test of publicity. He is standing in front of a lot of people proclaiming things that most would be utterly afraid to say before a king like that. Because can you imagine if you're one of the other uh, uh, wise men and you have the interpretation of the dream, but the interpretation is, oh, your kingdom is going to fall. And that the that oh, they're not going to give that <laughs> right. And further than that, that a god that you don't know or even worship or have any sense about is the ruler of all things. By the way, so not only is your kingdom of short term, 
but you don't even have the right gods in place. Because that's really the other message here. Wow. So it is a powerful lesson. That is powerful. And, and so how do we take this lesson of publicity and understand it? The, the Daniel or the lion's den test of publicity. Because deep and abiding faith stands on principle, publicity does not stroke the ego. It merely becomes a tool to draw all eyes to the source of its strength, the Almighty God and his plan. Are the evangelists listening? I hope so, because understand, deep and abiding faith stands on principle, and publicity is therefore not part of feeding me. It seems backwards today. Right. It's feeding the message. Yes. That's what yes. how Daniel shows us. That's how integrity. It is. How do you use publicity? Exactly the way Daniel does it here. All glory to God. Amen. Doesn't take power and glory himself. He just simply says, I'm the conduit. Here's the message, O great and mighty king, from God himself to you. I'm just the one who's giving you the words. It's, it's an amazing experience. And, and let's just look at a quick example of that. Mark chapter 5, verses 30 to 33, to bring it to the Christian side of the, of the picture here. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turning around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And so Jesus in this, and the thing here is, Jonathan, Jesus is in the midst of a great publicity thing going on. He's got people, so many people trying to get close to him. I mean, the crowd is just jostling back and forth, and he's being, he's literally being pushed and, and, and shoved different ways because there's so many people, because he is so popular. And what does he say about all that? Hey, folks, don't worry, I'll, I'll be here all week. He, he doesn't <laughs> say that. What, he, what he's attuned uh. to is an act of faith by one little woman who is just who has been so overwhelmed with difficulty, and he feels the virtue go out from him, and he stops everything, and he says, "Who touched my garments?" It shows you that the publicity didn't mean anything to him. It didn't. It was the it was the gift of God, and his whole life showed praise, honor, and glory to his heavenly Father. He pointed the apostles and disciples up, straight up. It's my father that's the one that should be honored. Right. Jonathan, let's go to a song from Daniel in Babylon. It was a play, and it's a great song. We're going to just play the first verse about the, the concept of Daniel and the trials and the difficulties and the things he had to face. In the lion's den, there's no time to blink. It should be over soon. There's no chance to think. In the lion's den, you can be certain there's real danger. In the lion's den, there's no time to cry, nothing more to say. Just wave goodbye. In the lion's den, black in the curtains. There's real danger There is no mercy In the lion's den No second chances To begin again 
Just trust in God Right until the end Now, obviously, you know, you, we think about Daniel and we think about the lion's den. Our whole premise here, folks, is that Daniel lived his life in the lion's den with these different various experiences. And it says in the lion's den there's real danger. And you see how Daniel has faced real danger. Now, we're, we're what? Four years into his life in captivity. At age 21. At age 21, he has lived a lion's den experience. And he's come up shining with faith and humility and integrity through this whole thing. Here's the, le- the, the, the fifth lion's den test is the test of now of fame and fortune. Because here's King Nebuchadnezzar's reaction to him in Daniel 2, 46 to 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel. Imagine that. that. That's crazy. That is. And commanded that a grain offering and incense be offered to him. The king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief perfecter over all the wise men of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar humbles himself before Daniel, the captive, the 21-year-old captive. Amazing. You know what I pictured in that is the kingdom um, where all the kings that were on the earth when they're resurrected will be bowing and worshiping before Jesus and the church that uh, will be blessing them. That's a beautiful picture. It, it is. Now, now here's what Daniel does with all of this. Here's the first thing he requests. Continue the reading. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. So his first, his first request is, hey, by the way, my companions, I want them with me. Well, it was because of their prayers that helped accomplish because this. Because they were more than just cooperating with Daniel. They were co-laboring with Daniel. Yes. And Daniel understood their value. Again, it shows you the humility in, in Daniel. And, and here's the thing. Daniel's rewarded. Uh, so he's rewarded with fame and fortune. That's, he is. That's what's coming. And folks, in, our next, in part two of, of the life of Daniel, we'll be talking about this particular test and the fame and fortune. The king recognizes that the God of Daniel is the God of all gods. And that's pretty amazing. It okay? is. It's important to remember here that the king is expressing appreciation for the Almighty God and his power because over time, Nebuchadnezzar is going to forget it. That's right. So he's appreciating it, but it hasn't sunken into his heart yet. So in this test of fame and fortune, we can see Daniel's true uh, identity ring true because you know here's the thing and you know we talked about the, we didn't give the definitions of the names right Daniel's the defin the, the meaning of Daniel the name Daniel is judge of God okay that's the Ooh. meaning of his name the meaning of the name Belteshazzar that he was given the Babylonian named meant Bel's prince now Bel was one of the great gods of ne- of, of Nebuchadnezzar of and, and Babylon Babylonians mm-hmm. so basically what Daniel is showing is that his true name is what he really is he'll have nothing to do with being a prince of, of a pagan god right <laughs> he is standing for something bigger higher and stronger than anything else that could have been brought his way don't forget the trivial question that's right. So when, how about how old was Daniel when he went into the lion's den? He's obviously older than 21. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, 
the story of Daniel is a story of a young man who lived his life in lion's den experiences and showed us each day of his life how we and our Christian lives can be successful in accordance, in accordance with the will of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's look at Daniel and let's really say, let me dare to be a Daniel. Till next time for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, why was Daniel so special? Let me count the ways. Think about it.